Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, February 7th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm Noah Osborne. Here are today's headlines. Following that devastating magnitude 7.8 quake that rocked Turkey and Syria, New York City is aiding in rebuilding efforts by building a donation page. Mayor Adams unveiled Help Now NYC, where he's urging New Yorkers to donate cash to several relief charities, which include the International Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, and many others. Mayor Adams continues to vocalize support for what he referred to as New York's vibrant Turkish community, as thousands of lives were lost in the wake of this tragedy overseas. New Yorkers can donate to relief efforts at Help Now NYC, which can be found at nyc.gov. President Biden is delivering his State of the Union address tonight at Capitol Hill, where he's expected to touch base on a number of topics affecting the country, including inflation, infrastructure, and U.S. support for Ukraine. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden has invited a slew of guests to be in attendance at the address, all of which represent the priorities of Biden's administration. They include the family of Tyree Nichols, the unarmed black man who was slain in Memphis by police brutality, as well as Ukraine Ambassador Oksana Markarova. Following Biden's address, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders will deliver a response on behalf of the Republican Party. Bono is also invited to the address by the First Lady. President Biden will address the American people at 9 p.m. This morning, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand hosted a press conference ahead of attending President Biden's State of the Union tonight. She expects the president to highlight some of the bipartisan successes of the last year in sectors like domestic manufacturing, universal pay, and infrastructure. To address this, I will be releasing a plan to deliver resources to build more housing, change policies that hold housing construction back, and improve transparency and accountability. I'm confident that our visions will complement each other. Senator Gillibrand is planning on releasing her new housing plan tomorrow following the State of the Union address tonight. Next time you see a film in an AMC theater, you might have to think twice about where you want to sit. Moviegoers who want prime seating will have to pay a little extra. The country's largest theater chain is rolling out Sightline at AMC. It's a ticket pricing initiative that'll give people the option to pay more or less depending on where they want to sit. Front row seats will be cheaper, while seats in the middle of the theater will cost more. There'll be three different price seating options. The first is standard Sightline, which is the most common place to sit. It'll cost the amount of an average ticket. The next option is value Sightline. These are front row seats and select accessible seating. They're cheaper than the standard sightline options. The last option is the most expensive. It's called preferred sightline. Seats that are in the middle will be priced at a premium. This system of pricing will be for movie showings that are after 4 p.m. This new plan will go into effect on Friday in select movie theaters in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City. It'll be expanded to all domestic AMC locations by the end of this year. Right on time for Black History Month, the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture was awarded a $2 million grant to strengthen access to black studies resources. The Mellon Foundation, which is the nation's largest funder of the arts and culture, has awarded the Schomburg Center more than $9 million since 1996. This funding would go towards projects that provide open access to scholarly materials to research African diasporic history and support technological advancements. 
The $2 million grant will be used to expand the center's capacity, support the creation of an advisory panel of scholars, as well as engage the public in programming about the future of global black studies. This all comes as the Schomburg Center is set to commemorate its 100th anniversary, a century of black education coming straight out of Harlem. Former Pink Floyd bandmates are going at it again, but this time things seem to take an unrepairable turn. Roger Waters and David Gilmour have been feuding for decades, but the feud got personal after Gilmour's wife posted a tweet. Novelist and lyricist Polly Sampson accused Waters of being anti-Semitic to the rotten core. She also called him a Putin apologist and a lying, thieving, hypocritical, tax-avoiding, lip-syncing, misogynistic, sick-with-envy megalomaniac. People aren't sure what exactly prompted this tweet. Some assume it may be in response to an interview Waters did with Berliner Zutung newspaper. He said that he stood by comments comparing modern Israel to Nazi Germany due to its treatment of Palestinians. Waters accused the Israelis of genocide and defended his boycott of the nation. On his website, he said he's being silenced by the Israel lobby via a smear campaign. Waters insisted he is not anti-Semitic. In response to Samson, Waters called her comments incendiary and wildly inaccurate. Gilmore chimed in a day later, tweeting that everything his wife said is true. At WFUV, we're celebrating good times. Come on! On this day in music history, Cool and the Gang started a two-week run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with Celebration in 1981. It was the group's first number one hit and eighth top 40 hit. Today was also the first day the Beatles came to New York City in 1964. Now let's get into some sports headlines with WFUV's Chris Carino. Looks like it'll be a big night for NBA player LeBron James. On Tuesday, February 7, 2023, LeBron James has a date with immortality. LeBron is 36 points away from becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and is known as one of the most respected records in all of sports. Players like Golden State star Draymond Green even said they would skip their game to witness LeBron make history. LeBron and Mike Wilbon discussed the situation on ESPN, where they talked about the absurdity of a player that's never prioritized scoring, now on the brink of scoring more than anyone in league history. As LeBron says, he's just amazed as we are. Tickets are in the six figures, and you can watch LeBron's drive for the achievement from your television against the Thunder in Los Angeles at 10 p.m. tonight. Now, Chris, tell us about Tom Brady and his retirement sand. The all-time NFL great officially called it quits. On February 1st, Brady made a video addressing and announcing his retirement captured at a public beach in South Florida. TikTok personality Better Carol went to the location of the video and took the sand Brady was allegedly standing on and put it in a jar. She's selling the jar for what looks like around six figures. Carol says the motive behind the bizarre move was to make up the money she had lost from betting on the quarterback throughout the years. Brady doesn't seem too bothered by the money-making interception as he just signed a broadcast contract with Fox for 10 years at $375 million, keeping a presence in the game and his bank account even after his last game. For WFUV Sports, I'm Chris Carino. Thanks, Chris. On this episode of Strike a Chord, WFUV's Isabel Danzis talks with the communications and development manager at Day One New York about their work helping young New Yorkers escape abuse. My name is Sashay Turner. I'm the Communications and Development Manager at Day One New York. Could you kind of describe to listeners what Day One New York does? 
Sure. Day One partners with youth to end dating abuse and domestic violence through preventative education, supportive services, legal advocacy, and leadership development. We work only with young people 24 and under to address relationship abuse and stop it before it starts. Why is educating people at a young age important to stop domestic and dating violence? Dating abuse affects one in three youth. And like domestic violence, it is often misunderstood, minimized, and mishandled. With limited relationship experience, teens can struggle to identify when unhealthy behavior becomes abusive, and adults often fail to assess the risk. Um, And so when we talk to young people that are between the ages of 16 and 24, um, they're three times more likely to face violence in their relationships than any age group. We know that they're at a critical development stage and teens are less likely to report their experiences to authority figures. How does educating younger people specifically then create safer communities or impact the community at large? Yeah, so when we educate our communities about healthy relationships, we can help to reduce physical and sexual violence by 60%. That's really big. We want our communities to develop healthy relationship habits and skills that will protect them from the dangers of dating violence that can often lead to fatalities. What do you hope the people and that the communities that you work with kind of take away from your work? So at day one, we want young people entering their dating years equipped with the language um, to support them having a safe and healthy relationship. Most importantly, they should know they have a right to be respected in relationships and the obligation to treat others with respect in relationships. And if they're experiencing harm, day one is always available to help. And then I guess, could you describe like a memory that's maybe your favorite or just one that sticks out to you as really representative of what Day One does from your time working there? Yes, Uh, Day One had a 19 year old um, client who migrated from Ecuador to the United States and married her partner. She spoke very little English and relied on her partner heavily. Um, Soon after she started noticing patterns of control such as him isolating her from her family. He would wait outside of her job to ensure that she wouldn't speak to anyone. Uh, He started controlling what she would wear and who she spoke to. When she tried to leave, he physically assaulted her. Uh, She was afraid to go to the police because she was undocumented and believed she had no rights. So when she finally was able to speak up and speak to a police officer about what happened to her, um, they were able to refer her to Day One Services. Um, And then we quickly provided holistic legal support. Um, We provided supportive counseling, which allowed her to end her relationship, her abusive relationship. With that, you know, she was able to obtain her green card, attend college, and ultimately restore her confidence. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. That was WFUV's Isabel Danzis speaking with Sasha Turner. She is the Communications and Development Manager at Day One New York. This interview is part of WFUV's Strike Accord public service campaign. This quarter, the focus is on staying safe and resilient by highlighting organizations that promote safety in the community. And that's our show for today. I'm Noah Osborne. And I'm Christina Lulich. 
Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.